It's, uh, it's great, great to gather with you. If you don't know me, my name is Dean, I'm one of the pastors here, and we're starting a new series today uh, called Rest for the Soul. We're going to be talking about how you find rest for your soul. I want to just read you, just to, to get us started, uh, I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 11, and these are some famous words of Jesus, and they're going to kind of frame and set up this series for us. And uh, we're just going to kind of lean into these. What does it mean uh, to find rest for our souls? Matthew said, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says these words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. For your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These great words, this idea of rest for your soul. What does this mean? What does it mean to really find rest? I was driving back up from dwelling up last night. I was at a, at a wedding down there. And I thought, you know what I think we should actually do tomorrow? It was a bit late at the time. I thought, you know what I think we really should do tomorrow? If we are going to understand rest for the soul, we should spend some time resting in God's presence. The next 30 minutes, we're going to close our eyes. <laughs> I'm just going to sit there. This has nothing to do with my lack of preparation. <laughs> Don't feel that. That's, uh, just push that thought away. Just close your eyes for the next 30 minutes. The team will come back. And we're just going to experience a bit of rest. You can fall asleep. You can just sit there quietly. It's up to you. All right. Let's go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. We won't. We won't uh, some of you are like, for real? Some of you are a little too excited at that thought as well, to be honest. I'm not sure you were looking for rest for your soul as much as just a little bit of rest. Uh, rest for your soul is actually, when we talk about what it means to find rest for your soul, it's something different than just like I need to catch up on a little bit of sleep. Rest for your soul is not just I need to kind of close my eyes for a while and catch a breather. It's not just like my soul really needs to kind of kick back on the couch with a bag of potato chips and a footy game. You know, I'd be right. that's not going to do it. What does it look like to find rest for your soul? I think one of the challenges we have is how do you even, uh, how many of us even have a sense this morning of how our soul is going? And, and whether or not our soul is in need of rest. You see, your soul, and I, I, we'll start here so that we can kind of wrap our minds around this together. You know, when we think about what is the soul, uh, if you want to, you know, the way we'll kind of understand this is this, your soul is the core of who you actually are. It is just, it is the you that is really you. Your soul is not your emotions, though it's connected to your emotions. Uh, it's not your intellect, though it's connected to your intellect. It's not your body. But your soul is connected to your body. Your soul is just, it's, it's just the you that is really you. And it's connected to every part of you. It's, it's, it's who you are. And Jesus says, I want to give you rest for your soul. The very core of who you are. And, and, and so when we uh, try to wrap our minds around what is, is he offering here, uh, I think what we're going to see this morning, we're going to unpack these verses, and what we'll see is it's not just about, uh, like, 
that, that you, your, your soul needs a break from something. But rest for your soul is about a state of being where our souls feel refreshed. These first few verses, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Do you know it's possible to have a, a weary soul? Can I tell you, this is probably a little bit about where all this has come from. I thought this might be good to talk about. Here's a little bit of my, my kind of story with this, and maybe some of you can relate to it at some level. You know, I was in, uh, in New York just in, in August, uh, and, and doing, I'm doing a course there. And one of the things about this course is it, it deals with a lot of spiritual formation and helping you kind of, you know, reflect on how, how's your soul going and, and how do you care for your soul. Most of us, we're great at caring. We know how to care for our bodies, what to eat, what to drink, you know, but do we, we aren't always as great about how do we actually care for our, our souls. And, and I went to this course, and I don't know, you know, have you ever been like in a, in a, in a stage or a, a phase where you're like, it's not that like things are bad. Uh, it's not that like you feel like you're kind of crashing and, and burning or anything like that, but it just still felt like I just needed something. And, and I sort of thought, you know, maybe just being back in, in, uh, in an environment where uh, a lot of New York is where I first kind of felt a call into ministry to do what I, I do today. You know, maybe just being back in certain environments in certain places, that would be kind of refreshing for me. Uh, but one of the things that, so I'm at this course, and, and I thought maybe that would be good. Maybe that would be one of the benefits of, of even, even doing this as well as the learning that would take place. And I was at this course, and there was a guy, and he was praying for me. His name's Rob. He's a really discerning kind of guy, really, really discerning man. And, uh, and he was praying for me. And he said, Dean, I really sense you have a weary soul. I thought, yes, that, that is exactly what I feel. At the core of who I am, I, I, there was just a weariness in my soul. Most of the time, uh, if we ask one another, hey, how are you? How are you going? How are you doing? One of the most common responses we will get is I'm busy. How many people have asked somebody, hey, how's things going? Busy. We all just say we're busy. We have no idea what we are even busy with doing. It's just like the default answer. How are you going? Yeah, busy. What are you busy with? <laughs> Stuff. I don't know. We did something. What did, uh, what did we do yesterday? Well, you know what? Uh, we're just busy. No one even knows. It's almost like the state of being. And you know what I think happens is sometimes we are so busy or even perceive ourselves so busy, we're living and we're living at this level, but then we're so busy we have no idea what's going on deep in the core of who we are. Because life's so busy out here, so we don't, and, and you know, and it's not just that busyness was my problem per se. That's not what I'm saying or that busyness is the only problem here. But my point is this. We live in a world that actually makes it, it almost conspires against us to really deal with how are we actually in the core of who we are. How's our soul? And, and, and when's the last time you even asked yourself that? And so this series is to try and help us understand a little bit more of how do we find what Jesus is talking about here, this whole idea of rest for your soul. And rest for your soul, like I said, it's not about just, well, if your soul could just take a break for a while, it would pull itself back together, or you would, you know, just then, then kind of just take a break. Just, you know, it's not about stopping from activity. It's not even just about having a less busy life, though that might be part of the solution, and that might be part of what you need to work through. It's, it's about actually how do you find a way of life that is life-giving, 
that is refreshing, that at the core of who you are, uh, you're feeling refreshed. And there is, Jesus calls it elsewhere, this life abundance that he came to bring for us. I think that's what he's getting at here. So let's, let's wrap our minds a little bit around this. You know, one of the things that I think is uh, important to realize, you know, and, and, and so you may start this morning just like, yeah, I, I don't, I'm, how do I even start to, to process in my soul? Like what, you, you know, you, you sometimes you got to slow down long enough to start to say, you know, what, where, 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 what's really going on the inside? And one of the things that sometimes happens and where the weariness comes from, because you know what it's like to be weary? You know, it's not like everything's just awful or you can't even go on. Sometimes we hit major crashes and burns in life. And that's just, but when you're weary, it just feels a bit like I just don't have, have it in me. I just don't have the energy I want. It's just it's not the, quite the life. You know, weariness, you know where weariness comes from? It comes from burdens. It comes from carrying things that are heavy. When you carry something in the physical that's heavy, you become weary much faster. I was at this wedding yesterday. It was down in Dwelling Up, like I said, at Nanga Bush Camp. And, uh, and it was down by the river. And if you're familiar with Nanga Bush Camp, lots of people at our church, if you're new here, a lot of people are familiar with it because we have all kinds of camps and great things that have happened down there over the years. And so it's a, it's a great place for our church. And the wedding was down on the river. And, uh, and so you had, to, you had to walk all the way down to the river. Some of you know that walk. Um, I didn't actually walk. I got to have a ride down to the river with someone because I was the, the you know, celebrant who was coming, so I needed VIP treatment. And um, actually, if I didn't get in this truck, I wouldn't have been there on time. But uh, anyway, it's beside the point. It was a nice ride. Uh, so on the way back there, we're walking. It's kind of uphill. And you're like, it's a beautiful walk. It's a lovely walk. And I was enjoying the walk. But now we've been down there for a couple hours. And our, our son, Levi, he's five years old. He was there. He'd been playing and, and throwing rocks and running. You know, it had been really actually fun, you know, after the wedding and around that. And uh, so we're walking up. And he's like, hey, can I, Dad, you know, my legs are tired. There, he said, Dad, my soul is weary. Um, I wonder if you might consider placing me on your shoulders. And no, he didn't uh, say. He said, he said, my legs are tired. <laughs> and, uh, and so I said, and he said, can I get up? So, okay, so I put him on my shoulders. And I'm walking. And, you know, it's still a lovely walk. And I'm perfectly capable of making this walk. But what I did find was I began to get weary a little bit quicker. Anytime you pick up weight and put it on you, it can be a beautiful walk, a lovely walk, but the simple reality is you will get weary more quickly than if you weren't carrying it. And just like this is true in the physical, this, I believe, what Jesus said, this is very true in the spiritual. And it's true when it comes to your soul. That there are things we sometimes pick up and take on deep in the, the core of who we are. And we carry them. And the reality is they weigh us down. And when you carry stuff that's heavy too long, you can just get a little bit weary. Jesus elsewhere uh, says of the Pharisees, who were like the religious people of their day, and they were the teachers of the law and the scriptures and all these things. And he tells them at one point, you know what you guys do? It's like you put these heavy burdens on top of people, and you don't even like lift a finger to try and help them. And people are kind of weighed down and crushed by these heavy burdens. And what he's saying is, you know what, one of, one of the, the burdens that sometimes gets put on people is this understanding of, of, you know, God's word and the law of this sense that I've got to be perfect. And they would make law after law and rule after rule just to make sure they didn't break one rule. They'd make a whole bunch more rules up so that you didn't even come close to 
doing the wrong thing. He's like, that just becomes trying to live a perfect life ends up being like a burden you can't bear. Trying to make it all look good on the outside, that weighs a lot. And if you try to walk around carrying an image or a projection, it will end up making you weary. And, and I think it is, you know, there, there are all kinds of burdens we can end up picking up. You know, losses in life, grief in life that goes unprocessed. We can end up thinking, no, it wasn't a big deal, but we actually end up carrying it. You carry it for a long time, and it has a way of getting heavier and heavier. You get wearier and wearier. Unforgiveness. Sometimes don't even realize it's there. And there's some unforgiveness. And guess what? If you walk around carrying unforgiveness, it's like this rock you just lodged in your soul. And you're walking around carrying, guess what? It gets heavy after a while. And you get weary. Feeling pressures of others or expectations or, or, you know, there are all kinds of things. Every one of us have different stories, different experiences, disappointments in life. Some of us sitting around this room, you'd have disappointments that you felt. Disappointment that you're still frustrated with God over. And you know what? That disappointment is like a rock. And you're carrying it around. And it weighs a lot. And it's going to make you weary in your soul. And Jesus says, the remedy for that is come to me. Come to me. The, the remedy for, for all this is going to be about coming to Jesus. And the way we understand this is, is we'll keep unpacking this. So what, what he says is, if you're weary, if you're burdened, you're carrying stuff, it, it's actually wearying your soul. Uh, you know, I want to give you, Jesus says, that's not what I want for you. He says, I've got a different kind of life. I want to give you rest. I want to give you rest. This is what Jesus wants for us. He wants Rest. And rest, like I said, it's not about he just wants you to stop from what you are doing. What this is about is a, it's not about a, a stopping of activity. It's about a change in a quality of being. That I think what Jesus is getting at here, when he says that you'll find rest for your souls, he's not saying that all your circumstances in life will necessarily change. But there is an experience of that life that he wants to offer you where those things are, are no longer the burdens on you that they once were. They don't wear you down the way they once did. That you can walk through all kinds of challenges, adversity, the goods, the bads, and have rest for your soul. Have you ever experienced it's possible to be completely physically exhausted but still feel a deep sense of rest in your life? When we're experiencing certain things in life and in, in the right way in the flow of what God's, you can be physically exhausted, but there is a rest. Rest in your soul is, is very different than what we sometimes associate with, with just rest. I, in some ways, I think it's the biblical picture of, you know, shalom, peace, everything right in its right place. Jesus like, you can know that kind of rest. Rest is a big idea uh, in what the scriptures actually want for us. And what it means to enter the presence of God is some referred to as entering into his rest. And uh, so he wants rest for your souls. You know, one of the things that I find amazing about this particular passage, we want rest for our souls. And we want the burdens to be taken off. We want the, the loads that weigh us down to be taken off. And sometimes we feel like the answer for that is, well, if this is the problem or the challenge or the adversity I'm feeling in life, then surely rest will come if that thing is removed. Is that the burdens, you know, maybe that he wants to get rid of? You know, one of the things that's amazing about this story is in Matthew chapter 11, 
beginning of this chapter of scripture and this portion of teaching has just been put together uh, for us in, in God's word. It starts off with a story about a guy named John the Baptist. John the Baptist, his entire life's calling was one thing. Uh, some of you be familiar with him, but if, you, if you're not, his whole life was about one thing. He had a calling on his life to point out who the Messiah was going to be, which was the long-awaited Savior of Israel. And so his life, it was prophecy, that's what you'll do. This is what your life's about. You're going to show everyone who the Messiah is. And he believed and knew that it was Jesus. And he had, he had been the forerunner, this guy who came before and said to everybody, this is him. This is the one we're waiting for. Now what happened to John the Baptist, though, is at some point he gets put in jail. In the beginning of Matthew 11, we find John the Baptist, and he's in jail. And essentially what happens is he's beginning to question whether he got this right. He was waiting for a savior, a deliverer, and now he finds himself not delivered at all, but locked in a jail. And he's asking this question, Jesus, are you who I thought you were? Are you the long-awaited savior? Are you the one we all thought you were? And he's asking this question. Can you imagine your whole life is about one thing, knowing who is the Messiah? And now you get to a point where you are locked in a jail. Nothing's going the way you want. And he's asking this question, are you the one? Can you imagine the, the sense of disappointment and pain that would come in your life if you were questioning whether you had done the one thing you were meant to do completely wrong? Talk about a disappointing place in life. He's, and he's in jail, no less. And, and so here he is, he's asking this question, and Jesus sends back to him, he's going to send back an answer, you can go and read this later, but Jesus is going to send an answer to him, and he doesn't say, don't worry, John, it's under control, I'm going to have you out of jail in three months. He doesn't write back to him and say, John, it's, it's okay, I'm going I'm to fix that up, this shouldn't have happened, that's not right what they've done to you. He sends back this answer, and he quotes some more prophecy to him and says, but John, look what's happening, you know, the the... The blind see, the, the lame are walking, you know, people are being healed, you know, the kingdom of God is coming. And he says, you know, blessed is one who doesn't fall away on account of me. He basically says, but John, I, look, this is what the Messiah is meant to do. He doesn't tell him I'm going to change your circumstances, I'm going to fix it all up. He just says, no, I am who I said I was. I think if you were John, you'd be like, the, the, I'm, looking for, I'm looking for you to fix what's going on in my life right now. And you know what, we never, we never actually get John's response. You don't get to hear, how did John process this answer of Jesus? You never actually get to hear. And in fact, his life comes to an end in that very jail cell when he actually ends up beheaded at the request of someone in a party. I mean, it is, is, is you know, from the outside circumstance point of view, it looks like how this is an awful way, you know, for life to go and to end. And we don't know exactly how John processed that answer, but you know what I tend to think? I just tend to think because he was, he was John the Baptist, and he understood some things about God, that even though his circumstances didn't change, once he had the affirmation that Jesus was who he says he was, I just tend to think he found a rest for his soul. And he didn't find a, a get out of jail free card, but I just, and, and I say all that to say when we read about this, the rest Jesus promises us and invites us into does not necessarily mean all your circumstances and troubles in life will go away, but I believe it does mean he wants you to experience those things in a radically different way. Do you know, have you ever watched uh, a sports game with someone 
who they knew the outcome of the game and you didn't. I, I find myself in this experience all the time because many of the sports I love come on to air in the middle of the night, you know, and so it's not very restful in any sense of the word uh, to wake up at like one in the morning and, and you're always going, oh, do I go to bed first? Do I get up? You know, it's, it just doesn't work. So I often find, you know, recording games, you know, this happened to me a lot uh, in the NBA playoffs last year and I'd be having to, I had to rearrange my whole life. Uh, to not hear about scores the next day. I, I couldn't check my email, my phone. I essentially couldn't do my job properly for about three weeks. And, um, but anyway, I appreciate your grace in that. Um, so if you contacted me early uh, June uh, and I've not gotten back, I'm sorry. That probably just got lost in the, in the playoffs. Anyway, the point of it is this. I would go through all this work because I didn't want to find out the game. Because to me, if I know the end of a game, there's no point in watching it. You know, and so I, because when I watch a game, you know, I, like I want to I want to experience, you know, the tension, what's going to happen here? Oh, my goodness. You know, the the pressure, the tension. I feel like I'm practically playing the game. They take a timeout. I go to the kitchen. I get some water, some Gatorade. All right, let's come back, fellas. Let's get this done. Gets to the end of the game. I'm as exhausted as if I played it, you know, because I've, I've just hung on every word. And so, you know, I, I end up, you know, I, I do a press conference, then I go to bed and um, no one listens. But, you know, I basically talk about it to my wife, and she says, please be quiet and go to bed. And, uh, but, you know, sometimes, you, you know, I, I watch some of the games with people who, wow, I already found out the score, but they still want to watch it. And it's amazing, you're having two completely different experiences of watching the game. Now, if you're watching with someone who understands the etiquette in a moment like this, uh, then they know your job, if you know the outcome, is just sit back and relax. Don't, don't get up, don't get down, don't react, you know, you just... You just relax and, you know, but here I am reacting to everything and going all over the place and exhausting myself, you know, and, and those kind of people just need to sit there and be still. Here's the thing that's amazing is you're both watching the exact same game, exact same amount of time, exact same plays, but you're having a radically different experience of that moment. Because one's like, I already know how this ends. So I actually have no tension, no, oh, what's going to happen here? For better or for worse, I'm just content. I know the end. And then you got the other one like me who's like, come on, and gritting and tiring. And I'm not just tired in my soul now, my whole body's tired, you know. It's, my point is this, I think this rest for our soul, it's about saying you're going to go through your life one way or the other. You know, there, there are things that, that, that are, are going to come your way, but Jesus says, I want to give you rest. I want you to go through life and through the things that will be a part of your experience in a life-giving, refreshing kind of way. And the way we do that, the way we do that is by understanding this incredible picture he gives us of taking on his yoke. That this is, this is the, 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 the core of, of what this is all about. As he says, you know, you're weary, you're burdened, you're carrying things you're not meant to carry. You're carrying things you're not strong enough to carry on your own. You're carrying things you're just... Not even meant to be there. He says there's one thing you're meant to carry. There's one burden, if you will, one thing to be placed upon you, and it's my yoke, he says. And the yoke, if you're not familiar with the, the picture that's here, the yoke was this strap that, that they would put upon two large, you know, farming kind of animals, and you would strap these two huge animals together at the shoulders. And, and the whole idea was now they would plow together. Maybe one of them was a more seasoned, you know, and one's younger. It will have to learn the rhythms and the pace and, and what's happening with the, the bigger, more seasoned, you know, animal. And, and 
and together they'll be able to pull more than they could have on their own, and, and, and they will be completely connected as they work together. And I think where so much of the weariness comes and the burden comes is because instead of having the one burden we're meant to have on us, this yoke that does one thing, ties us to Jesus, we carry a bunch of other things while we're trying to plow the field for him. And, and what, what he wants, he says, you want, this is where rest comes from. This is where the, the easy, the light, the refreshment is you just yoke yourself right up to me. That's what he wants. He wants us to walk in that kind of close, intimate, we're doing this together way of life. See, I think sometimes we're really good at living for Jesus, but we may not always be great at living with Jesus. There's a, you know, one of the phrases that shaped, you know, faith in lots of ways and uh, for a, a lot of our mindsets is WWJD. I mean, how many of us know that phrase, WWJD? What would Jesus do? Here's the thing about that phrase that I think is, is interesting. Um, you know, I, in, in our home, uh, Lisa, my wife, thankfully, takes care of most of our, our food and eating. Um, if that were not the case, we would be in lots of trouble. And, and one of the things she does is she makes our, our son Levi, she makes his lunch. I don't know what it is, but when she's gone, I find making, you know, my five-year-old son's lunch, it's just like, it's like calculus to me. I don't know what it is. I just can't wrap my mind around it. It should not be that hard, but I find it incredibly difficult. I'm never quite certain what to do. I find myself just like, I'm going to just grab a Happy Meal and shove it in this plastic <laughs> container. Like, I know they get all the major food groups. There's the hamburger and the chips and the juice, and that should be good, right? No, I... I, I don't do that. You know why I don't do it? Because what will happen is if, if she's not there to take care of that, what Lisa will do for me is she will oftentimes make me a list. Just here's exactly uh, what to do. Put this, you know, banana here and this thing here and in these containers that once looked like a puzzle to me. Now I have some instructions. I know what to do. So when she's gone, if I'm wondering what to do, uh, usually I'll, I'll just think to myself, you know, well, all right, what, what, would, what would Lisa do in this scenario uh, she would, okay, oh good, she's even left me instructions. I can now do exactly what Lisa would do if she was here making the lunch. But you know what, that, those instructions that she will leave me, or even to ask that question, do you know the only time I do that is when she is not there, when she's not present. Because if she was present, if she was there, I wouldn't say, what are my instructions? I wouldn't say, uh, you know, what would Lisa do? I just say, hey, Lisa, what should we do about this? I got two boxes, a banana, and, uh, and some kind of, you know, bread thing. I don't know if it has nuts. That makes it dangerous, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I would just ask her. Now, here's, here's the thing. We can end up often... We say to ourselves, we'll go to work on a Tuesday or we'll be out with a group of people, and we end up asking ourselves this question, what would Jesus do if he was here? Someone said something to me. I want to respond in anger. What would, what would Jesus do? Now I meant to do that. That's helpful to a point, but it almost assumes Jesus isn't actually there to help you with that. Because if you were yoked up, you were just tied to him, 
And you felt like, I'm here, he's there, we're strapped together. You wouldn't be saying, oh, what would Jesus do if he was here? You just turn to him and you say, Jesus, what should we do here? And I think that shift and what it looks like to live, to move from being a what would Jesus do kind of people to being a Jesus, what should we do, is where the, the rest is actually found. It's found in actually realizing you are not meant to go live out his instruction manual and follow them to the T. Like you've gone to him and now you got your marching orders. All right, now here we go. You're meant to walk with him. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Throw it. Strap on. Let's do this together. The essence of these animals moving is like they are side by side in step together. And rest comes when we stop trying to just follow marching orders and instructions and actually strap up with Jesus and say, let's do this together. Do you know that's what Jesus wants for your life is he wants to go through it with you. Not just him here and you're there. He wants to walk with you. Wouldn't it be amazing if when we asked one another, so how are you going? We just say, yoked. How are you? Yoked. 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 I mean that. Huh? You like it, don't you? Yoked. Because if you go through life yoked, you will have an entirely different experience. Circumstances same. Experience radically different. Your circumstances may change, may not change, or he'll bring you through them. But when you are yoked, what was once difficult and burdensome becomes easy in life. And you find rest for your soul, not by just stopping doing things, but by living an entirely different way. See, I'm just convinced this is what Jesus wants for us, is that kind of deep, where does the rest come from? Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Let's just, let's do this together. You're not just meant to be out there. Let's do this together. Take my yoke upon you. And that, as we yoke ourselves to Jesus, is where we find rest for our souls. Where, where there is a new quality of life, of refreshment, of joy. Of this life abundant that he promises us. It comes from doing life, not on our own, but deeply connected with Jesus. Now I want to give you a few moments today. We don't have a, a half an hour to sit back and just take a nap. And that probably wouldn't do us a lot of good anyway. We've got something better we're after. Not just rest for my body, but rest for the soul. I want to just give you... A little bit of time to just connect with Jesus and to ask yourself, am I, am I yoked? Am I actually yoked? Do you know it's possible to do all the right things that, that you get up? Have you ever had a season of life where, where you might be, you're, you're reading the Bible, you're maybe doing the whole 40 days in the Word. You'd read the Bible every day and you'd pray. But it's almost like you were just ticking a box. That's not what those times are meant to be. They're meant to be moments where 
by the time you get out of the word and out of prayer, you say, I'm starting my day and I'm yoked. That's how I'm, now let's go. Let's go, Jesus. Let's do this. Let's do this today. Be with me and stuff happens and comes away. All right, Jesus, what should we do? Would you give me the strength? Give me the insight. Give me what I need. Let your spirit, he's given us his spirit that dwells not just even beside us, but inside us. I mean, this is, so I want to encourage you to just ask yourself today, am I yoked? Am I living with that yoke? Or do I feel like he's kind of the, the, the master over there? He gives me the orders, and, but I'm just kind of doing it on my own. And I want to encourage you to say, if, if today it's an open invitation, he gives kids, he says, come to me. Maybe today you just want to say, Jesus, I just want to be yoked to you. Maybe you've never done that before. You can do that today. Maybe you feel like I threw the yoke off and I've been plowing a whole different field. And I'm like, Gee, I want to just, just come on, put it back on me. Let's go. I want to go with you. And so to do that, what we're going to do is we're going to take communion together. And, uh, and the ushers are going to come stand in a few spots. And communion is this time where we remember that Jesus offers uh, us not another just set of instructions. He offers us himself. The bread that represents his body, the cup, his blood. Jesus wants to offer us himself. And when we take that bread and cup, it is a declaration of saying, I am trusting in you, Jesus. And I want to take your life into mine. And so even as you take it today, and if you're someone who says, you know, I've never even made that declaration. You know what? When you eat and drink that cup, it is a way of saying, this is for me. I'm trusting in this. And, and for others, you know, this is a moment, you know, to stop and to say, you know what? In the, in the quiet and the stillness and the moment we have here together in this room today, to just say, I believe that Jesus is here. And I want to come to him and I just want to say, I want to encourage you, you know, just maybe just say to him, even say, Jesus, I just want to take your yoke upon me. If you know that's a word that's for you, some of you might feel like you, there may be someone here who's like, you resonate with how I felt. And there's just a weariness. And can I tell you to just throw that yoke back over your shoulder. And so I want to, you can do just a, a couple things in these moments. We're going to have a, a couple of the ushers are going to come stand here in the corners. You can come on down the front. We'll have two in the front. There will be a, a few in the back. And if you want to, in this moment, you know, come to Jesus and take the bread and the cup, uh, you may want to just take that. Take it back to your seat, and you can have a moment, uh, these next few moments, to just connect in prayer and silently on your own uh, with, with, with Jesus, just inviting him to put his yoke on you. But if you're someone today especially who thinks, you know what, I really, I, I want this in a, in a this really spoke to me. You just know that God was saying something to you in, in this today. And you want that yoke. You want it on your life. Then I'm going to invite you, instead of going back to your seat, to come and to just find a spot here in the front. We'll keep this whole area clear. You can kneel. You can sit. And just spend a, a, a few, these next few moments just, Jesus says come. And sometimes there's something, like I said earlier, our souls are connected to our bodies. And sometimes when we do things with our bodies, it affects our soul. And so maybe you just want to, as a way of saying, Jesus, I'm coming to you. Come and sit here. And in a few minutes when we're all done, I'm just going to pray specifically uh, over anyone who, who comes into this area. Just asking for and wanting just to have that yoke. To have just kind of a renewed, refreshed sense of Jesus' presence going beside you. So in these next few minutes, when you're ready, come to him. It's an open invitation.